The boys are getting real professional around here. <laughs> like there, there's a Daniele morning show producer and now host fan. He's just like kicking around, still running a little bit of quarterback time. Jobo's running around working on lighting. The three of you working constantly. This was nice to see. You know what? I got to go do the morning show more often and maybe just leave you guys alone for the first few minutes. You don't have to focus on anything so you can focus on me. <laughs> I like this. I mean, we get Daniele in here. We're an efficient machine, man. I know. Yeah, we're working. Yeah, he's, he's the adult in the room. He gets everything done. Daniele, you down to work on another show? <laughs> You're down to <laughs> do more Stick around shows. for an extra hour? You want to you wanna produce your show, host shows, and then also this show? I've offered uh, multiple times to him, yeah. but uh, no, it doesn't seem doesn't seem like he's give it a shot. Good. You don't know what it is like until you try it, D. Like, you just, <laughs> just give it a shot. <laughs> just give it a try. That's my slogan for 2023. Just give it a shot. Give it a shot. Just give it a shot. Anyway, um, less good news. Watching the Blue Jays Ugh, last night again. Just at this point. At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm like when my mom caught me smoking weed in grade 11. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. You know, I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed that the Orioles came into our house, into our city, and just took our pants down, took the Blue Jays' pants down, and bare bottom spanked them for four straight days, essentially. And yeah, the Jays won a game, but I just said it. They won with a couple plunks, the worst error of the season at the Rogers Center, and a couple of walks. What one bad inning by the Orioles, and a, a good start from Kikuchi, and a good performance by the bullpen. So like they get the pitching staff gets credit. It's really hard to give the bats any credit whatsoever. Like Vladdy got an RBI. We're like, yes, unbelievable. George Springer got a base hit. Yes, unbelievable. Otherwise, completely shut down by a team that was so desperate for starting pitching at the trade deadline. Went out and got Jack Flaherty. He was awesome. Again, I told you, that guy's scary. I still can't believe that some people thought that the Jays-Hicks move was going to have more of an impact than Jack Flaherty for the Orioles. But whatever. That's just a divergence of opinion. Paul DeYoung is exactly what you thought he was going to be, which is not the right-handed bat that you need. I don't think anyone's looking at the DeYoung trade right now going, man, thank God they injected this bat He's going to hit a bomb though soon, I would imagine. But it's just, it's just so disappointing, man, to watch this offense this year. And, and again, it's disappointing because, yeah, I wanted them to add another bat. I do think that someone would have helped them more than nothing. Yeah, whatever. Teo wasn't available. Maybe he was available. Maybe it was too much, whatever. Yeah, Tommy Pham comes with personality issues or maybe he wasn't going to be a fit. Who knows what the hell, why he went for a minor league prospect that most don't think is going to are is going to end up playing in the bigs. You can just see the psychology of the team, but also it just it, it feels like more than that for the two stars. And and that's Springer and Vladdy. And it's just these two guys have to be better. These two guys have to be more threatening. These two guys have to feel deadly at the plate. And with Springer, it's just like a, it's a nightmare right now. And with Vladdy, it's been the same over the last week. And yes, again, he poked the single. The other way, that was nice. Good for him. These two guys got to be stars. And they just, they, they have so many moments also as a team where there's just not enough professional at-bats. And I thought that Chris Bassett was pretty telling in his comments after the game where they asked him about 
uh, hey, what's the reason Baltimore is able to hit you guys so well and their bats versus yours? He's like, what do you say? I like their approach. So like, or their mentality. He's like, they got a good approach. I'm not going to give away secrets. It's like, you should give the secrets to the Blue Jays hitters. You should be telling the Blue Jays guys what, what the hell is going on here and what they need to be doing better and the adjustments that they need to be making in August. By the way, it's August. It's pretty late in the year for them to be making these adjustments. But either way, make them because whatever you're doing right now, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about messing with anybody's heads. The heads are messed with. You can tinker at this point because what you're doing is useless. What you're doing has no value. So do something different. Try anything different. I don't care. Try hitting from the other side of the plate. <laughs> what, what, how could it be worse? <laughs> how could it be worse than what you guys are doing right now with runners in scoring position? Honest to God. They need the, like, the whole voodoo thing from major leagues. Remember the guy with the <laughs> stall? Like, they need a full-blown runners in scoring position exorcism. Yeah. What are they in the series? 2 of 29, Jobo? 2 of 29. Yeah. Nightmare. Sick. <laughs> and, but, like, the, the toughest one for me, the toughest moment of the entire game is bases loaded, one out. Matt Chapman comes to the dish. Supposed to be a slugger. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, make sure you drive in a run and make it 3-2. Mm-hmm. Make sure you drive in a run and make it 3-2. Just put one into the outfield. Put one to the warning track. Put it deep in, in right field. Make them. Just give them a run. Punch out. Punch out. Just, uh, it's a hard game. I get it. Find a way, man. Have a professional tough at bat. How many pitches was that at bat? Five? Like, find a way to be the mature team that we were supposed to be hearing about. It's not just about the base running mistakes. The outfield defense has been good. The infield defense, as we know, has actually not been as good as people think. Ben was pretty revealing the other day when he was like, yeah, actually, it turns out the right side of the infield has been cataclysmic this year from a defensive standpoint. But it's just like the maturity has not showed up at the dish at all. And now, you know, you're seven and a half games back at the Orioles. That's done. You can give up that dream. That Hey, Jim Bowden, with all due respect, I think we're done here when it comes to division. The, the take is dead about the division still being alive. Would take some kind of a pretty miraculous run. Bobochet is not coming on this series. He is not saving you, okay? You got to hope for good starting pitching because that's your MO all season long. Has to happen, has to happen, has to happen. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man, do you need your star bats to show up in this series? Find a way to show up. And it sucks because you feel like the pressure is mounting now on these guys going to this Red Sox series. But hey, they're two and a half games back. They can jump you now. They're two two games back. Two games back. They can leapfrog you in the wild card. And then they can head into 10 games against Kansas City, Detroit, and Washington that they've got coming up. And all of a sudden, here's, here's what's scary about the Red Sox. They didn't do anything at the deadline. They added Luis Urias. And I'm going to talk to somebody about the Red Sox in a couple of minutes, Tom Karen of Nesson. And I have him on, on the other side of the break. First GSP, no big deal. Um, but that's a team that just dropped two in a row or two out of three to the Mariners. That's a team where they're pretty pissed about not adding it to deadline. They have bad shaky rumors. Hey, they almost traded Justin Turner is one of the rumors. And then they have the classic Blue Jay thing this time around of, hey, they almost got a starting pitcher. They almost got a big, sexy name. Ooh la la. 
I think if you're a Red Sox fan, that pisses you off. Rafael Devers publicly stumped for this team to go get starting pitching before the deadline. They didn't do it. If you beat them in this series, hell, if you sweep them in the series, you probably kill them. You might, you might have a chance to kill them. You sweep them in the series, all of a sudden, yeah, you're up five games on them. You're feeling just fine. Everything is fine, fine, fine. Go do the same thing to them. You don't? They, they win two or three? All of a sudden, they're going, yep, we're tied with the Jays, and we've got this series coming up where we're probably going to pass them, or a bunch of these series coming up, we're probably going to pass them. We're right back in this thing. Forget the trade deadline. We are who we are. Nobody believes in us. Now we got the chip on our shoulder, blah, blah, blah. We're going forward, and yeah, we're going to make the playoffs, not the Blue Jays. So yeah, I think that for Toronto, this is the series of the season. And I know that's dumb because there's going to be another series of the season. Duh. But for right now, this is it. This is just massive. This is monumental for me. You can either step on the Red Sox neck and get rid of them and take the pressure off and have everybody relax, or you can bomb in this series and be 0 of 10 against Boston this year, by the way. If you were just mediocre against Boston this year, you'd be out of this situation. But you're not. You've stunk. You can't beat any team in the American League East. Yeah, it'd be one thing if it was just like, oh, this is so painful because the Orioles ripped right by you. You know, the one team ripped right by you. You were supposed to be the team of at least the half decade, let's say. That's not, we can't do team of the decade in baseball. A team of the half decade was supposed to be the Toronto Blue Jays. Orioles snatched that from them immediately. Rays never gave it to them. <laughs> and then the Yankees rot. They're just an old rotting team. Mm-hmm. But then, now the Red Sox, by the way, have a top prospect. That, like They have a top farm system in all of baseball. And they're hanging around you. And they can leapfrog you in a year where they're not supposed to be anything. Woof. That's, that's just like, that's a whole new level of unacceptable that just kicks you in the teeth, in the guts. Kicks you while you're down a bunch of different times. Anyways, I'll it's talk more about... the Yankees are laughing stock. Yeah, yeah. The Yankees are whatever. I can't wait for the Yankees to sign Matt Chapman next year. Oh, enjoy. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tom Karen after the break. But first, I had a chance to catch up with the GOAT, George St. Pierre, yesterday afternoon. Very pleased to once again be joined by one of the greatest mixed martial artists to ever walk the planet, a welterweight champion, a middleweight champion, and now fighting again, returning to the octagon on a UFC Fight Pass Invitational on December 14th. Um, it's George St. Pierre. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi. So, man, last time I spoke with you, you talked about retirement and... You seemed pretty steadfast in it. You seemed pretty adamant in it. And, and I know that this is a little different. This is submission wrestling and jiu-jitsu. But what, what changed for you? Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in great shape. Um, UFC told me that uh, they uh, wanted to start promoting these kinds of uh, events. It's, uh, it's grappling, jiu-jitsu, submission wrestling, cause, uh, you can call it uh, or like almost whatever you want. You know, there's not really a name, you know, like it could, but, but, but uh, my point is that it's a sport that the, the risk of injury are to a minimum because there's no uh, striking, so there's no brain damage. And uh, that's our main concern uh, in uh, full contact sport is brain damage. Of course, there's always a risk, you know, if you don't tap or, you, you know, you can have your arm broken or legs or getting choked out. But the the main thing is the brain damage. So I'm in great shape. I'm still, I love uh, to compete, you know, uh, especially when the risks are to a minimum. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to also help promoting the sport. I think it's a sport that can reach a, maybe a bigger audience because there is a, they could be more practitioners. It's not everybody that, that wants to get hit on the head 
and uh, I'm very happy to be part of it. No, that's great, man. And yes, you're very clearly in great shape because, uh, you know, I follow you on Instagram and Twitter and basically every single time I open it up, it's like you doing a front flip or you doing some kind of extensive exercise. Like, yeah, I think 42, you're wearing 42 fairly well, brother. Like it's, it's, it's going okay. <laughs> Thank for you. you. You are in fantastic shape. So yeah, the brain damage is a big part of this, like, as you just mentioned, but yeah, how hard was it for you the last seven years to and, and I know that you compete, like you still roll, you're still in there, you know, training. But how hard has it been for you to not have this competition in your life? Oh, I'm I'm more busy than I than I used to be when I was competing. I'm more of an entrepreneur now. I'm doing very well. I'm I'm, I'm busy as as hell. That's why, and I'm I'm not coming back to be world champion in grappling. That's not my goal here. I'm just uh, I'm gonna compete against uh, other guys uh, more as a novelty fight to help promote uh, the organization on UFC Fight Pass Invitational. Um, the goal is to make a sport where we can have an attendance, maybe to fill out a big arena, maybe a stadium at one point. Uh, but we need to start, uh, you know, uh, smaller and uh, that's what the UFC have done so far. Now we have a big, big card, uh, December 9. Now we, they put a lot of hope on, on that card. A lot of uh, good guys will be competing. Good guys like the, in the world of jiu-jitsu grappling that are elite. And me, I'm, more, I'm, I'm a mixed martial art uh, fighter. You know, I'm not specialized in that form of competition, but I'm, I'm, I'm more there to help promote the event uh, as a competitor. And for me, that's why I'm, I love it, you know, to help the sport to grow. I think it's one of my mission, one of my duty as an ambassador to help uh, the sport uh, to grow for the new generation. You know, I think that's very interesting because, and, and I don't want to paint everyone with a wide brush. Obviously, there are, you know, different mixed martial artists. There are different types of fighters. But it, it is a very individualistic sport. You have to promote yourself as an individual. You know, you obviously train with a team and you get help from people around you. But ultimately, you know, it's you when the, the cage closes. And so by the sounds of this, it really does feel as though... Yeah, like you're saying, you want to promote the sport. You want to be an ambassador to the sport. Um, have Have you always felt this way? Like, what What do you think is the most important thing that you'd like to impart on let's Let's say younger people who are looking to get into yeah mixed martial arts. Well, at first, when I when I was competing in mixed martial art, my goal was to be champion. Then it was to be to do something to be dead to be different to make a difference. You know. And the sport had a very bad reputation at the time. And one of the reasons is because people did not understand what was going on when they were on the floor. They were like, hey, it's, you can't allow that. People, you're allowed to hit someone when he's on the floor. And I was trying to educate people saying that it's not because you're on the bottom that you're in trouble. Sometimes you can win a fight from the bottom. People were not educated. And, and I think it's a big part of it was because of the the grappling aspect, you know, everybody can can understand what the impact of a punch or a kick, but they can they couldn't understand the position on the floor. And I think that what we're doing with the uh, UFC Fight Pass Invitational 
is going to be linked directly to that in terms of MMA, in terms of to understand what's going on on the floor in terms of the, the grappling aspect, in terms of the position. I think it's going to be good also not only for the sport of jiu-jitsu and grappling, but it will be good also to educate people on fighting in general, on 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 the understanding of what is going on uh, when the fight is on the ground. Do you still feel as though it's it's a very misunderstood sport? Like, it, it's been around for a while. You have been a great ambassador for it. I think that, you know, one of the things that made you so attractive to a larger audience was that, yeah, you've, you very much carried that warrior spirit like the discipline the humility you know obviously early on in your career you shifted pretty heavily from you know someone who was like a little bit more brazen and cocky to someone who yeah was was very composed and really did wear that spirit of like a pure martial artist and I wonder if, like, now in the game where there's so much of, like, the, the promotion is through, you know, and I know this isn't the UFC, but it's like Jake Paul and side fights and where the UFC is now, whether you think, like, your legacy as a fighter and a mixed martial artist has been carried well, if that's continued to develop, or if we've started to lose a little bit of that. Well, there's a, a stereotype of uh, fighters because it's a very egotistic sport, you know, um, and the stereotype is there for a reason because a lot of guys, you know, they, they want to be like, uh, love me, hate me, but do not ignore me. That's the way they make a living. You know, that's the way they, they promote themselves. Uh, and I understand that. But for my part, I've never been good at trash talking. It's not part of my personality. And I think it's important to stay authentic in life. Uh, Conor McGregor is doing what Conor McGregor does because he's very good at it and that's his personality and it served him very well. He made a lot of money and, and everything. Um, in my time, I made a lot of money too, but I, had to, I, I remain authentic. I think when you stay authentic, uh, that's the key, you know, that for success, for people to, to, uh, to, to like you, like you or hate you, but to, to be uh, uh, charismatic. And I think the problem is a lot of people, they try to be someone that they are not, and it shows in their behavior. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It, it's really hard. And it's funny because there's at least a little bit of a crossover with broadcasting too, right? With doing podcasts and radio and television is you run into a similar thing where it's very, it, it's egotistical. You have to have a little bit of that. You obviously need to promote yourself and be seen by people. But it, it, I always find that the people who are successful, the most successful are, yeah, people who are able to find their own voice and be themselves and not be doing an imitation of someone else who just did that version better, you know? Exactly, exactly. It's a, yeah. authenticity, I think, is the key. So, again, though, so going back to the actual competition itself, and I know that you're doing this as an ambassador and to promote and that this is something that, yes, you're not looking to be world champion, but... It's been interesting, like, when I was looking at this fight, who you were going to have, because there seemed to be some confusion in terms of who you wanted out of the gate to be doing this. And if it is promotional, you probably have to be balancing this idea of, hey, I, I want a good competitor. I want someone who stylistically matches up with me that, you know, matches my skill level in this, but also someone who's going to bring a bunch of eyeballs to this. And, and I know yeah, Damian yeah, Maya had yeah. a post where it's, it seemed like he was the guy, but now there's reports that it, it isn't him. Like, where are you at with you, who you're actually fighting in this? 
No, it's it's not it's not Damien Meyer. It's um, yeah. uh, that was a rumor, <laughs> and yeah. it, it, they they used to really like uh, Diaz. Uh, they say uh, uh, Nick Diaz was the their number one choice. Mm-hmm. And is that who you're going to be competing against? Well, I don't know. It's not official yet. It's not signed. It's okay. uh, they they. Uh, I think that that's what they told me when I was at a brief meeting. Uh, they wanted Nick Diaz. Uh, uh, me, I, you know, I want someone that matches this, this the skill level, but someone who also that is brings bring eyeballs because that's why I'm I'm there, you know, to promote the yeah. event. And I think it would be if it's what the fan wants, the UFC wants, makes everybody happy. Let's do it. Uh, I know I don't mind. Yeah, I mean, Nick Diaz and you would certainly bring in a lot of eyeballs. Like, that is a very attractive fight. How, mu- how much say do you have in it? Like, I'm guessing a lot. Obviously, you don't have to take any fight you don't want. But are you contributing names to the list, too, that you think that you'd be most interested in? And it's like, you know, you're Georges St. Pierre. I- I'm sure that you can contact any one of these guys and that most of them would love to be able to get in there with you. Uh, yeah, of course. They, they, a lot of guys would like to get in there because it's the, you know, like, like it's all. It, as a fighter, you always want to 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 go up against uh, the guy who attract the more the more people. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and and I understand like a lot of guys want to to get in there with me because it, you know it's going to be good for them for promotion for the sponsor. The, the you know it's always linked to money. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's the thing. Um, to tell you the truth, I I don't know. Like they, they, it's hard to know who's available, who's in shape, who, the, according to the schedule, who's fighting, who, who is not. Um, so for me, uh, you know, like I want to make uh, the fans happy. You know, whoever the, the fans want me to see compete against, I'm I'm down for it. You know. Yeah, uh, I think that you, it, Diaz probably the name is going to bring a lot of attention to it. Uh, yes, the I, I name is bring a lot of attention, and he's got a lot, he's got a more experience than me in jujitsu. So it's a different. Yeah. It's not mixed martial art. It's a different form of combat uh, competition. Yeah. It's very specialized. So it's going to be interesting. I got to tell you, that's why when I first saw Damian Maya's name, when he put himself in the mix, I went, holy crap, George. Like, that's a pretty hefty start, you know, to this new career. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, it could be Damian Maya. It could be Damian Maya, too. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I love that. I love that attitude of just being able to be like, hey, you know what? I'm new to the sport, but I'm going to step in. And, and, uh, and I don't mean new to the sport as though like you're an amateur. But yeah, for some guys that have been doing this for a very, very long time, and a guy like Maya, who is a submission specialist, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. So just a, yeah, in a, terms of uh, if I would fight Maya in a mixed martial art, I would, you know, not tr- I would use different skills to beat him. I would not necessarily do a fight him in jiu-jitsu because that's his yeah. strength you know what i mean so but yeah, yeah i understand yeah that's what i meant when i first saw it when i saw the name i was like holy crap george has been doing a lot of jiu-jitsu and a lot of submission stuff a lot of grappling to go in there with damian maya it would be incredible to see that as well so yeah like getting back to the ufc right now do you watch a lot of it like again you said you said that you are an ambassador for it and that you know you want to see the sport grow and you are working on something a little different which is something that doesn't involve striking but yeah like how frequent do you want to sit down and watch a card is is there one name or a name or two that you you have to see fight i like to watch the champion i, I like wakanovsky makachev i like uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, Cyril Gann, John Jones, I like, uh, you know, Adesanya, uh, Edwards, Usman. I like to watch the best guys. But there are shows every week, you know, so I don't watch them all, you know. Um, and you, you talk about fighting, like, uh, like uh, the training. Yeah, my training, my competition would be in grappling, but I still train striking. I'm mixed martial arts. I, I, I don't only narrow down my training and only you know, train grappling. I, 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 as the competition gets close, I will do that. But I, you know, I like to, to keep it uh, mixed martial arts. So I train, uh, I do train uh, striking every week. How, I was going to say, how similar is your, is your training right now to what you've done throughout your career? It's pretty much the same. Um, yeah. the, the only thing that changes is, uh, yeah, like, it, it's the same, but the, the only thing that will change is as I get close to the competition, I will focus more on grappling. I will, yeah, will you know, focus more, do a little bit less striking and focus more uh, to, to grappling. Mm-hmm. And and again, I, I did mention you have this warrior spirit. It's a little far away right now. When when do you feel like that's going to start to kick in for you? Like when you know you've been off for a long time. When is it going to start to feel like very real to you? Where you think that that inner competitor in you is just going to really start to go into overdrive? Well, it's already started. It's like it's a, there. a funnel. It, it, it's get more and more and more as I get closer. Mm-hmm. So. I got to close on this. I love passion and obviously, you know, competing, fitness, these are passions of yours. Um, yeah, I, I think that being an ambassador, clearly, again, a martial artist, passions of yours. One of my favorite things is, yeah, talking to people about their passions. And for you, one of the other ones is dinosaurs. And I, I just have to know, how did this become such a love for you? Like, wh- where did your interest stem from in dinosaurs? Well, dinosaurs is the thing that look the most to a, you know, to a monster. I would say, you know, like uh, so. When I was a kid, I was very intrigued by that. You know, that that there were there were once upon a time monsters on the planet, and I, you know, when the more you read, you you find out they're they're related. Dinosaurs are related. The, the, the birds actually are related to dinosaurs. You know, they they're the ancestors of birds, and uh, it's very fascinating. And um, I like paleontology because it's, you know, the science that, you know, like that, that study instinct, instinct organism. And us as a species, at one point, we will become instinct. And uh, to, if, I, if we consider the age of the planet and the time that Homo sapiens been around, we're not we have not been around for a very long time, so we're just a speck on the on the universe. And for me, understanding the past helped me understanding the present, and helped me also uh, predict sometime the future. So it's uh, very interesting. Yeah, I think so too. I, I saw again one of your tweets recently, which was, "If you could go back in time, it would be 66 million years ago." And I went, "Holy crap!" You know, it's it's interesting to even think about time that way, right? 66 million mm-hmm. years, um, and that. then to watch how tri- uh, Tyrannosaurus hunted Triceratops. I actually didn't know that those two dinosaurs existed in the same time. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they they know now. They they, they <laughs> it it was a. Uh, they, they, I was on site, uh, I, you know, I have access to things sometimes that because of, you know, who I am, I was able to yeah. go on a, on a different site in the U.S. 
And uh, yeah, I got some of the latest discovery. It was incredible. I mean, there are some papers that will come out uh, in the near future that are very fascinating. You know, I, I'm just, I felt very happy to have that opportunity that is giving to me some time. And um, yeah, I take advantage of it, you know, and it, it's fun. I think you should. I think that's a great thing. Of like, you put a lot of work into your career. Obviously, you've been very successful in your career, and so, yeah, the ability to pursue your passions and have something, you know, a different access, I think, is terrific. And I love that you that you continue to pursue it, and I love that you continue to, you know, love it, man. And yeah, I I would like to also see how a Triosaurus hunted a Triceratops. I think we all would. Like to see that. So, it's like, I think I think that if they put that out into some kind of a video form, a lot of us are going to end up watching it. Hey, George, again, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I, I very much appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck in your competition on December 14th, man. I know a lot of us up here in Canada are going to be watching. Thank you very much. Straight up, you're welcome, everybody, for bringing you in on the dinosaur thing. Because, yeah, if you follow GSP on the socials, there's nothing better than having eight posts where the guy is the most physical freak. You, you go, this is insane. This guy's 42 years old. He's doing front flips. He's doing cold plunges. He's just He takes care of his body in an absolutely insane way. Mm -hmm. That's why when he was like, I'm still in shape, I go, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. You're definitely still in shape. But then it's just sparring. Here's a guy that would kick your ass so badly. Here's a guy who would destroy you. Here's a guy that has unattainable workout goals. And then all of a sudden, it's like him... He's like, I love this dinosaur. And you're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is content. It's so good. It's so good. He'll just be in the middle of somewhere being like, here's a statue of a dinosaur. And you're like, this is amazing. I love it. Guy is the man. I, he's so cool. I absolutely adore the dude. Anyway, um, he also likes to sprinkle a bet, and so do I. And I would say go follow your boy on Instagram at JD Bunkus. Or on Twitter, same thing. Been posting my best bets there throughout the week. Doing a bunch of them. Guess what? Yesterday's hit again, too. Comfy, too, because the Jays can't see the score. If you're going to bet, you might as well bet Jays unders right now because, yeah, it's, uh, it's whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to do it the series against the Red Sox. But either way, it's a couple of best bets in a row. We're fully back. The week, you know, vacation's over. Best bets are back. They're red hot again. They've been red hot all year. I don't know what to tell you. I've had people reaching out to me too, which is awesome. But I'm like, JD, and I always say, reach out, hit me up in the DMs. We want to, you know, all the time about betting. But I've had some people going like, I'm cold, I'm cold. I, I really have. People are like, oh, I'm in a cold streak. I'm like, well, just, why are you fading me then? <laughs> or don't fade me, just follow the bets. Anyway, uh, quick break. Let's talk to Tom Caron next about the Red Sox Jays massive series. So yeah, I mentioned it. Series of the season for the Toronto Blue Jays. Until the next one, but this is the this is the one right now. This is it. Red Sox team that's beat your ass. You're 0-7. I think the run differential is something like 42 to 20-something, maybe late 20s, you know, 28, 29, some, something like that. It's been a beatdown. Has not been close. You just got embarrassed by the Orioles. You don't have your star player. Now you got to go and yeah, beat the team that's owned you and hopefully step on their necks. Tom Karen, Nassen, 
Red Sox pre- and post-game host, host of TC and Company Podcast, two decades covering the Red Sox. You can follow him at Tom Caron. Good morning, man. Morning. How we doing? I mean, if you heard in an intro, not so great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the 7-0 thing has got to be one of the most confounding stats for either side. Uh-huh. You know, like you're saying, they've, they've owned the Blue Jays. This is such a strange Red Sox team. It's the most yeah. Jekyll and Hyde team I've covered in, in two decades. And I, I don't know how they have swept the Blue Jays twice. It, makes, it, it defies reason. Dude, especially giving that, yeah, Toronto's had some really strong success against them the last couple of years. And it, it's actually gone sort of the other way. The other thing, too, that just drives me nuts is, okay, whenever the Jays have played Boston, Boston looks great. And there's these conversations, Red Sox, and then they got hot a little while, a little bit after the Blue Jays. But then you'll do the scoreboard watching, and I see, you know, news stories come in, Twitter, whatever, a lot. Boston's just a team that you can't not see. It's always something bad, like, hey, this team's bungling defense again, and hey, this team can't get a starting pitch. And I'm like, oh, the Jays have finally lapped the field here. And then I look at the standings, like, two games back. No, I don't understand how this is even possible because the coverage has almost been, like, it's always really, really negative from what we see up here about you guys yeah well what what happens is when the team plays well it, it you know it plays well and, mm-hmm. but when the team plays bad when the red sox go bad when they become mr hyde it's it's ugly mm-hmm. i mean they have the most errors in major league baseball you know we ran they ran into a triple play two weeks ago i mean literally just ran into it like everyone just kept Lovely. running until they tagged everybody out <laughs> uh and and so you know when they when they and they've got I think it might be back to 500 now. Most of the year they've had a losing record against teams with losing records Mm -hmm. and a winning record against teams with winning records. So it's really, and it's, you know, so you get to the trade deadline and and I am bloom does nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally they don't add to it. They don't blow it up. Somebody had a great line. I don't want to take credit for it, but it's perfect. They're too good to sell off and they're too flawed to add anything to so you're just going to sort of let them roll and see what they can do. Two games out behind the Blue Jays, one in the loss column. Uh, this would be the weekend if the Blue Jays are going to ever try to pull away. Because, you know, they've got the, mm-hmm. the Red Sox have already won the season series, and that's the, the tiebreaker now. So that's a big deal. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, the way that you're describing it is it's the two brain-dead teams, one brain-dead defensively, <laughs> the other brain-dead offensively in Toronto where, you know, we can't drive in runners in scoring position here. Enjoy that while you're covering these games. Like, don't if you happen to take a peek at where Toronto sits in terms of all of Major League Baseball when it comes to driving in runners in scoring position, they sit with the uh, the amazing. Actually, you're gonna. This is perfect. This will be prep for the other teams that you're about to see because I think they're there with the Royals and the Nationals or the Royals and the Tigers. Like it's athletics. Athletics. Oh, that's it. Ah, oh, damn. Oh, I thought it was gonna be one of the teams that they were facing soon. Anyway, okay. So yeah, Red Sox do according to Baseball America. I saw it today they have a top three farm system, which is kind of nice. Pitching was in surplus, and I know you just said the thing about yeah, not good enough to add, not you know bad enough to sell. But were you were you surprised that they didn't add at least one arm, given even the fact that you know Devers was stumping for this team to add some starting pitching? Yeah, I was. I thought you know, and and the deal like Savali going to uh, the, the the Rays that was exactly the kind of deal I thought the Red Sox would be in on. They because here's the thing: they only need pitching now. They're going to need pitching in the off season because mm-hmm. this is what they have. And there's no there's no live arms really. Uh, they've got uh, Shane Drohan is one prospect, Triple A. Everybody else is single A, double A for pitching, mm-hmm. and and so 
they need pitching. I thought for sure, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, who turned down the Dodgers, might have come back here. Uh, I thought they'd go get somebody like that. Now, <laughs> this is an annual thing in Boston. You know, we're, we're already getting the, well, Chris Sale's coming back. That No one's going to get a better acquisition than that. But, you know, Chris Sale, uh, you know, if, if he's not wrapped in bubble wrap, I'm, I'm worried what happens to him going forward. So, But they do believe that. They believe Trevor Story coming back will solidify the defense. They believe Chris Sale and Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Howe, three of their five starters are on the injured list, that those guys can come back. And, and you just mentioned a bunch of teams. After the Blue Jays, it's about 10 games of the weakest teams in baseball. In Kansas City, Detroit, Washington, uh, you got a little chance to, 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 to maybe beat up some bad teams before those pitchers come back. So I think that's what they're hoping. It's also why they didn't sell off, because they do believe with those guys coming back, they can hang around this wild card thing and maybe make a run. Yeah. Uh, Chris Sales made 22 starts in the last three seasons. So, <laughs> yeah. That's not But he lots. was really good on yeah, some of yes. those. Dude, some of those he was disgusting. So good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think that we're uh, – this may be words to regret right now. But, yeah, no, I don't think anybody's afraid of Chris Sale the way that they used to be anymore, uh, especially not staying But healthy. the thing is, though, before – you know, this last injury, which was a mm-hmm. scapula, yeah. he comes up with the, the – you know, I've learned more anatomy by covering Chris Sale than I learned in, in college. Yeah. And – and he, you know, but his last six starts, I think he was like a two, four, five ERA. I mean, he, he was dominant. Yeah. So, you know, their hope is, can you get that for six weeks? Mm. Can you get that for, for, you know, eight starts? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we'll see. He pitches Sunday in triple A. We'll see, you know, if he's that he, I think he's going to come back after that. Cause I, you know, if he's going to get hurt, you might as well have him get hurt at the major league level and see how many innings he can pitch before it happens. 100%. All I will say is I'm glad that I said the I'm not afraid of Chris Sale thing, right? But, you know, knowing that he's not pitching in this series. So I can't be the jinx. I can't be responsible for him shutting down the Jays after he throws seven shutout innings. Okay, so, yeah, the, the last thing on the deadline how is it? Uh, I, I saw some of the quotes from Red Sox players, and you know the Blue Jays got the opposite when they went out and got Jordan Hicks. It was oh wow, we're so happy and shows who we are. And there's always that that that's always the the story that happens every deadline whenever a team adds is you go look in the clubhouse these guys they got a shot in the arm, and the Blue Jays parlayed that shot in the arm into getting again their ass beat by the Orioles. So it's like what is this actually worth? But for the Red Sox, I, I do find it more curious when there is potential selling and a guy like Justin Turner, who, you know, has won a world series and who probably carries a lot of weight in that locker room. Like he was rumored to be like pretty heavily in the mix for some trades. How do you think that's gone over with, with the team and with him? Yeah, I do think that I know that Justin Turner wanted to stay because he, his leadership has been huge. You know, they, they, over the last few years between Mookie Betts and Xander Bogart and J.D. Martinez, they've lost a lot of leadership out of that clubhouse, and he's really stepped into the void. He's, yeah, he won the Roberto Clemente Award last year. He's a character guy. Uh, his wife, Courtney, who's, who's pretty funny on social media, she did one of those, like, blue flags uh, after the deadline, marked safe mm, from the yeah. trade deadline, you know, like you do after a hurricane. Uh, and so I, I think he wants to stay. James Paxton was a guy that they might move, but then they'd have no pitching. Uh, so he stays, uh, proud Canadian that he is. And I, I just think there is an us against them mentality in the room. And I think that's real. And I think when Haim Bloom said we're underdogs, I think that was intentionally throwing it at them to fire them up even more. We'll see if it works. Here's the thing to watch, though. 
four years of high and bloom uh, running the baseball operations here, their winning percentage in August is in the 300s. So whatever that you're talking about, that, that, that post-trade deadline bump or dip, uh, it's been a dip here in Boston every year under High and Bloom. We'll see what happens here. They're one and one so far. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a really, really tough one to swallow if you're him. And actually kind of surprising that he would basically only do the Urias deal given, yeah, he's got to be painfully aware of that number too. Uh, but yeah, that, the reason why it, it makes sense from an outsider's perspective is probably the same way that you guys have justified it and kind of similar to what you've discussed with not being good enough, not being bad enough. But there's also right now, like I think Toronto can relate to just like looking at the division constantly, right? Is all right, when are you going to push chips in the middle? Baltimore looks nasty. And so do the Rays. And Toronto's just been kind of same, similarly, like the Jekyll and Hyde thing. Looks like they're going to do the same thing, limp into the playoffs and then roll the dice as, you know, they kind of see it. Um, I mentioned the, the prospects, the farm system. Do you think that Boston is just like kind of working on a different timeline here? Because um, we're not used to seeing, you know, markets like Boston and uh, New York be, you know, we're trying to build through prospects. And that feels like the way that the Red Sox have been going the last couple of years. Like when when does the... When do you think the organization views their timeline and, and the division in terms of their next major competitive cycle? Yeah, it's next year now, yeah. and that's been the biggest change this year. That's why they didn't blow up. Jaron Duran has become one of the most electrifying players in baseball. Yeah. He, he, didn't, he didn't get called up until about six weeks in. He's going to end up leading the league in doubles because any time he hits a ball to the outfield, he tries to turn it into a double, and more often than not, he succeeds. Uh, Tristan Casas was the rookie of the month in the American League in July. Uh, his OPS has gone up each month. Uh, he's 23 years old and, and is just mashing the ball. Yoshida was a great signing. He's here for five years. He's 30 years old, but he's part of the future. Trevor Story's coming back. Devers at third. Uh, they kept Verdugo. A lot of people thought. So, you know, uh, Connor Wong, no one thought he'd be an everyday catcher, and he is. So all of a sudden, the pieces are there. Like, I, I think coming into this year, most of us thought it was two years away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of these young guys, you can look and say, they're going to be good next year. The bullpen's been one of the best in baseball all year. So now, and Heimbloom said this to me a few weeks ago, just in a conversation, he goes, for the first time, I'm going to be able to go in this offseason with a short chopping list. You know, I'll be able to go look for two, three things. A couple of starters, right-handed bat. You know, last year it was seven things. But they did a good job. You know, Turner's been a big part. Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Yoshida was a great signing. They filled some void last year. Uh, I think they're ready for that. And I think that's why you saw what you saw at the trade deadline. They didn't add, they didn't subtract because they think they're in place for next year. Maybe they pull off a surprise this year. Like, yeah, it was just two years ago in 21 when they snuck into the playoffs on the last day wound up eliminating the Yankees, eliminating the Rays, and coming within two games of the World Series. So there's always a chance you pull off something like that this year, but the goal is next year. I think that's clear. So, yeah, how is this series, this upcoming series, being viewed in Boston? How is it being viewed by you? Well, I mean, it's kind of a must win. I think more so for the Red Sox than the Blue Jays. Uh, if you, t- you just got to take two out of three. Uh, you lose two. You come in, you're two games back. It's one of the lost column, but you lose two out of three. Now you're three. And you're probably falling into that pile of Seattle and, and mm-hmm. Anaheim, you know, these, these teams behind you. You really want to keep the pressure on. If you can take two out of three, you're tied with the Blue Jays in the loss column. Uh, they got Paxton tonight who's pitched well against the Blue Jays, threw no hitter against them back in the day. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, they think, they think that if you could win this series, like I said, you get into that 10-game stretch of weak competitions. No, it's a 10-game homestand against some really bad teams after the Blue Jays. So just get through this weekend. 
Uh, and I think that's a big step towards where they want to be. Oof. I got to tell you, it's, it's kind of nightmare land up here, given the, the struggles against the Red Sox, the tenor of just losing the Orioles. No Bo Bichette. Um, I'll, I'd be pretty surprised if the Jays. And Manoa on the mound. I mean, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Oof. I mean, if you ask, you know, what, what we're thinking about this series, I, you know, I was talking to Hazel May the other day, mm-hmm. and just the whole Manoa thing I, from the outside, it's got to be the strangest story I've seen in baseball in forever. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because they've had a year where Alec Manoa was pitching so poorly that they had to send him down to their Florida Complex League for a month. And like probably the developing biggest story of the year is, I don't think anybody up here really knows what we have in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. anymore. Like, if you look at the numbers since the MVP season, they show a pretty mediocre guy. And, yeah, since they eliminated the shift, too, even the defense that we were all kind of, like, parading around up in Toronto has not been the exact same thing either. And, yeah, it just, like, you look at the offensive output, and people go, well, it's not that bad. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's not supposed to be the bar. He's not supposed to be an above-average player. He's supposed to be a superstar, and he hasn't even been close. So, yeah, um, enjoy watching your pitchers likely shut down the Blue Jays this week because, yeah, that's... uh, It's kind of in their MO lately. And, yeah, don't worry if there's runners on. You go, don't worry, they'll get out of this. They'll find a way. Jays are going to hit into a double player. You're about to see back-to-back strikeouts. Uh, Tom, Karen, uh, thanks so much for the time today. Enjoy the series. Uh, thanks, Jimmy, on, guys. If it makes you feel any better, two of the three pitchers we have lined up are TBD. So, yeah. You know, but maybe we'll have someone who can actually pitch to your guys. Unless we'll it's you. I, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not feeling hey, great. We haven't quite come to that, but, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Talk to you thanks, soon, guys. man. Cheers. Uh, yeah, I TBDs. This is one of the most annoying things about the Blue Jays, man. And and this has even been the last couple of years. Is everyone so uh, they get these absolute scrap heap dudes up against them, and you go, yes, here we go. Remember last year when the, they only had right-handed hitters, and you get some bum lefty out there, and it was automatic shutdown Throw night. Ninety-one. Yeah, yeah. automatic <laughs> shutdown night for the fellas. No one's getting knocks. You go to the Rogers Center, you're, you're thinking, this should be five home runs tonight. Yeah. And you would should be not a dub- get double one. digit game. Yeah. Some Tigers junk baller, and it's a nail by <laughs> 3 2 finish. So, yeah, TBDs, good. Th- take advantage of that. I, I just, I, I don't know how anybody could be going, well, that's going to be now a huge advantage. Not. Nah. They beat you. It's yeah. You put it in. I was close, right? Forty nine and twenty nine. Forty nine uh, to twenty nine. The Red Sox have outscored the Jays in their yeah. seven games this season. And Paxton loves pitching against the Jays. Mm-hmm. Hey, this would be a great moment for Manoa to start turning it down. Yeah. He's always said he's a big game pitcher, and the last two runs at that have not been very good. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, opening day, the home opener is always a big deal. Yeah, I always think that there's extra pressure on that day. And against Seattle, and he sucked. Oh, no, I, I meant more that game was not it. I meant more the playoff game from last year. That's what I mean. He wasn't good. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 for some reason I thought <laughs> this year. I was like, oh, no. Uh, yeah, no, good call. Yes. Seattle and the home opener mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Those have been the two Manoa games. This is a huge one for him now. This, is, this might even fall under number three. In fact, this has to fall under number three. So it's like if you want the big game pitcher narrative back or the fearless pitcher narrative back, this would Mm -hmm. be an awesome place to start, man, is have a pitcher's duel with James Paxton, shut down the Red Sox, and give your team with a very feeble offense an opportunity to win uh, a tight ball game. Predictions, J.D.? No, I hate predictions. (laughs) It's for hacks. Unless it's gambling, (laughs) which I make all the time. (laughs) 
and I will be making some best bets later. So follow on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus. Hey, I can't, I got to run today. So no pod only. And then we're off on Monday. So we'll be back on Tuesday and I think a loaded week next week. All right. So just... if we can, if we can get dates, correct. All right. Yeah. A Mackie's like, don't say that. Don't say that pressure on me. Look at it. You would never, you would be fit right in with the blue Jays lineup. Strike out. <laughs> Anyways, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe and review.